Well, good morning, BCA. How's everyone doing today? My name's John. If we haven't met yet, I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and uh, just so excited that you're joining us. If you're in the main service here with us, you're joining us in the chapel, or you're joining us online, uh, we're just thrilled that you are part of our worship today. I learned a couple of things this week. I learned it is Super Bowl Sunday, as Pastor Zain mentioned, and I learned uh, this week that that uh, that started in 1967. I actually started in 1967. So, uh, you know, that was a big year. And I learned that uh, the Super Bowl, the original Super Bowl, the uh, admission was $12. And I heard, I, $12. And I heard yesterday that uh, on the internet, we know that everything on the internet is true, uh, that tickets were being offered uh, to for $400,000. Right. If my house was sliding down a hill and someone came to me and said, John, we can stop it, but it's going to cost $400,000, I'd say, let it go. (laughs) (laughs) I don't need it that bad. $400,000. Well, that's not what we're here to talk about today. Uh, We're going to continue our series on the seven deadly sins. Uh, This is based out of the book of Proverbs, uh, chapter 6, and uh, verses 16 through 19. And so let's uh, take a look at these verses together. Uh, It says, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, uh, feet that are quick to rush to evil, and the focus of today's message, a false witness who pours out lies. Now, it's easy to read a list like this and think, if these are the things that God hates, I don't stand a chance. And the truth is, the reality is, without Jesus Christ, we don't. It's only through faith in Christ, only through faith in his life, death, and resurrection that we can be saved, that we can be uh, forgiven. It's only through faith in Christ uh, that, that we uh, can experience God's love and approval. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved uh, through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Please understand that today's message is not a message about trying to earn God's love and approval. That's impossible. God's love and approval is ours in Jesus. Amen? And uh, so this is not a message today about being good enough, but this is a message about hope and love. This is a message about responding, growing closer to Jesus and responding to his incredible love uh, by aligning our hearts and our lives with him and with his word. This is a message about uh, discovering who we are in Christ and what our purpose is in this world. Uh, Let's invite you to join me uh, and pray before we get into this. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to worship you here together today. As we've worshiped you through lifting our hands and singing uh, songs, we've worshiped you through giving, Lord God. Uh, Now we worship you through uh, hearing your word and applying it to our lives. We pray that, Lord, that you would prepare our hearts, that your word would be planted deeply into our hearts, that we would leave this place changed because we've heard from you and we have have uh, experienced your hand in our lives. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You know, to truly love somebody 
You need to know them. You need to know who they are and uh, how they think and what really matters to them. One of the ways that we show our love for God is by uh, loving the things that he loves and hating the things that he hates. And one of the things that God hates, according to Proverbs uh, 6.19, is a false witness who pours out lies. Now, the first thing uh, we need to understand is that this uh, verse, uh, although it's similar to a lying tongue that's mentioned in verse 17, it's not the same. Verse 17 is talking about lying to someone. Verse 19 is a reference to lying about someone with the sole purpose of causing them harm. An example of this would be uh, like a witness in a courtroom uh, sharing false testimony about a defendant in order to gain a wrong uh, conviction. To bear false witness is to mock justice. It's to hide the truth. It's to spread lies about others with malice, with evil intent. The words that are used here in Proverbs 6.19 are the same words that we find in Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. God, uh, the ninth commandment uh, that God gave to Moses when he said, uh, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. In ancient times, uh, to be guilty, to be found guilty of giving false testimony was a very serious crime. If you were uh, a witness in a trial and you gave false testimony and you were found guilty of this, you would receive the punishment. You would receive the sentence uh, that the, uh, the accused uh, would have received. So it was a very serious crime in ancient times. In Proverbs 19.9, uh, it says, A false witness will not go unpunished, and whoever pours out lies uh, will perish. We find many examples of this in Scripture, and uh, today in our time together, I want to share three with you uh, from the New Testament. Stephen uh, was, a, was a victim of this sin. He was a victim of this crime. In Acts chapter 6, uh, verses 8 through 14, it says, Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed many great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition, opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen. Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the province of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We've heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified, This fellow never stopped speaking against his holy place and against the law. For we've heard him say that this Jesus Christ of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. Liars. <laughs> Um, what was what was Stephen's uh, crime? What was Stephen's uh, what was Stephen doing in this moment? He was proclaiming the gospel message of Jesus Christ, uh, and the local religious leaders didn't like what he had to say. In fact, they were so enraged, they were so filled with anger, they wanted to destroy Stephen so badly in this moment that they were willing to lie under oath. They were willing to make false claims about him that they knew would result in, uh, uh, would be punishable by death. And uh, uh, they were successful, and Stephen paid with his life. 
Um, God hates this. The Apostle Paul was a victim of this, of false witness. While in Caesarea, Ananias, the high priest, and Tertullus, a lawyer, committed this sin that God forbids. They lied under oath. They bore false witness against the Apostle Paul. And it says in Acts 24, uh, starting at verse 5, we found this man to be a troublemaker, stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He's a ringleader of the Nazarene sect and even tried to desecrate the temple, so we seized him. By examining yourself, you will be able to learn the truth about all these charges we're bringing against him. What was Paul's crime? He boldly preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ananias and Tertullus were so enraged by this that they were willing to lie about him in a court of law, to deceive the governor, to purge themselves, and to completely pervert uh, the whole system of justice. Why? Because they wanted to inflict and cause as much harm and as much pain to Paul as possible, and they succeeded. It cost Paul his freedom, and eventually it cost him his life. False witness. You see, God is a God of truth. He's a God of justice. When innocent people are punished for crimes they didn't commit, this doesn't just offend God. He hates it. The most horrendous example of injustice uh, and false witness this world will ever see uh, occurred during the trial of Jesus Christ. In Matthew 26, uh, 57 through 61, it says, Those who arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But they could not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, two came forward and declared, This fellow said, I'm able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. These men hated Jesus so much, they were willing to lie about him under oath uh, with the sole purpose of ending his life. And in the moments that followed, the sinless Son of God was sentenced to a horrific death on a cross. The whole proceeding was an abomination to God, and, uh, and yet uh, he allowed it. Jesus allowed it, he endured it, and he even accepted the sentence that was given. Um, wh- why, do, why would he do this? Because he loves you that much, because he loves me that much. Jesus accepted this, and he accepted the sentence, but make no mistake, he was not a helpless victim. You see, Jesus Christ is the very Son of God. He's the author of life. He's the creator of heaven and earth. His power is infinite, and his authority is supreme. At any moment, Jesus could have liberated himself, and he could have silenced his enemies, but he didn't do it. Why? Because he loves you. He knew that this was the only way that you and I could be spared from an eternity without him. He died for your sin. He died for my sin. He died for the sins of the world. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. Isaiah 53, 5 says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. Jesus gave everything for you and me. Why? So that we could be forgiven for our sin. So that we could be reconciled to God. And he paid an indescribable price for this. He was falsely accused and arrested. He was illegally tried and sentenced. He was mocked. 
He was tortured. He was crucified and put to death on a Roman cross, and he was buried. But my friend, this is not the end of the story. Jesus laid his life down, and three days later, he took it up again. He rose victoriously, conquering sin, conquering death, conquering hell, and conquering the grave. Jesus is the resurrected king, and he's alive forevermore. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. False witness. You can clap for that. We can clap for that. (laughs) Jesus is alive. We serve the living God. You know, false witness and testimony, it was a significant factor in Jesus' death. It was common in his day, and unfortunately, it's all too common in our day. There are three ways that false testimony is wreaking havoc, harming, and destroying lives in our day. It's hurting people legally, it's hurting people professionally, and it's hurting people personally. It's happening in the courts. Uh, Lies and false accusations are made, uh, which are bringing unjust convictions and sentences, and at times costing people their freedom and even their lives. False witness. It's happening in the workplace. You see, it goes beyond the courts. In the workplace, uh, uh, people are lying about coworkers. They're why in order to harm them. Uh, is, this is resulting in damaged reputations. Uh, it's resulting in uh, mispromotions, job loss, financial loss, and even at times financial ruin. Uh, it's, it's happening in the, in the courts, it's happening in the workplace, and it's happening uh, in, in many, many lives on a personal level. It's happening in our schools. Uh, it, you know, students intentionally harming others through uh, spreading lies and deception, uh, through deeply personal attacks. This has an, uh, is having an incredibly negative impact on, in our schools today. Uh, because of false witness in the schools today, uh, students, it's, it's negatively affecting grades and attendance. It's causing stress and anxiety. It's even causing, causing depression and sometimes even suicide, which is a tragedy, and God hates this. True life, God bless you. I want you to know that uh, God has placed you where you are for a reason, and as you shine your light for Jesus Christ, there's people around you that are hearing things, that are hearing uh, lies about themselves, that are experiencing this kind of pain and this kind of difficulty, and God has placed you there to bring the truth of how much God loves them and how valuable they are. We are praying for you. We love you and just want to encourage you to stand for Jesus wherever you are. Amen? Um, You know, with a click of a button, people can send false information throughout the community, across the nation, and even around the world. And they can do it in seconds, doing in some cases irreparable damage in the lives of others. If you're involved in this kind of activity, if you are uh, spreading lies or deception on your phone, on your laptop, or through your computer, I want to share with you four easy steps to freedom today. Step number one, unplug it. Step number two, carry it to the front door. Step number three, open the door. And step number four, throw it as far as you can. Your, your life will improve immediately. It's funny, but we all know that this isn't a real solution because uh, you know and I know uh, uh, this won't solve the problem. 
because uh, to the computer isn't the problem, the heart is. For someone, for anyone, for you, me, or anyone, and to be in a place and in a position where you're so angry, you're so filled with hatred or jealousy or whatever the case may be, that you want to harm somebody else so badly that you're willing to use lies and, and deception to do this, this is a heart issue. This is a character issue. This is evidence that there's some real brokenness that are happening uh, in someone's life. And I want you to know today that God can help. I want you to know that God can forgive. And I want you to know that God can transform. Isn't it, isn't it good news that Jesus Christ paid for all sin on the cross? What a fallen world that we live in. Isn't it? Uh, but Jesus Christ has redeemed this world. He's defeated sin and death and is even now preparing a place for us in heaven where there will be no tears, there will be no pain, there will be no deception, there will be no injustice, but it will be uh, perfect peace, uh, it will be per unending joy, uh, no sin, and it will be forever. I want you to know that if you belong to Jesus Christ, this world is not your home. How many of you are thankful for that? We are on our way to heaven, and one day we're going to leave this world and all the pain and injustice behind, and we are going to see the very face of God, and we're going to spend eternity in paradise with him forever and ever and ever. That's our hope in Christ. Amen? When it comes to false witness, there's three things, three points that I want to share with you uh, in our time this morning. And the first is this. Uh, number one, Jesus calls his people to higher living. As God's people, we're called to love others. John 13, 34, Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. How does Jesus love us? Extravagantly, completely, and unconditionally. Uh, love is the foundation of the kingdom of God. To bear false witness is to choose anger and hatred. As God's people, we're called to love. And we're called to love like Jesus. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus gives this the greatest commandment. The, the entire law is summed up. Uh, Jesus sums up the entire law. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and hate your neighbor's guts. If that's what your Bible says, you need to get a different one because that's not what it says. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And our neighbor isn't just the person that we like. It's not just the person that treats us well. Our neighbor is everyone. This world desperately needs to see the love of Jesus Christ. And you and I, as his, as his people, we are called to be conduits of his love. Lying about others, uh, hating others, uh, as God's people, we're called to higher living. If you believe that, say amen. We're called to uh, love our enemies. Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 44, Jesus said, You've heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Nobody likes to be mistreated. Nobody likes to be falsely accused. Nobody likes to be lied about. I don't and you don't. Uh, but it happens. And uh, how should we respond to this? Like Jesus 
Uh, and I want you to think about that for a moment. Jesus, this, uh, uh, the very men that put nails through his hands and through his feet, the very men that dropped the cross down into that hole, and they were mocking him and ridiculing him and separating, dividing his clothes among themselves. What was Jesus doing in response to this? He was praying for them. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Uh, it's extraordinary. This, this is a kind of love that can't be compared to anything else. You and I, Jesus, commands us to love our enemies. And you might say today, well, that's, I'm not Jesus. But the thing is, if you belong to Jesus Christ, Romans 8, 11 says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. So what that means is we can love our enemies. What that means is God will give us the power. He'll give us the ability to do what seems to be impossible. What that means is when we experience false accusation, when we're on the receiving end of false witness, it means that we uh, have power not to respond in the same way, but to take a higher road. That it means that we can continue to walk our walk. We can continue to follow Jesus and be victorious even in those situations. Uh, we're also called to love the truth. In 1 Corinthians 13, uh, it says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it, is, it does not boast, it's not proud. This isn't just for weddings, by the way. It does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. As a Christian, bearing false witness is beneath us. It's the low road. It's the world's way. Uh, it's a trap from the enemy, and it's a poor testimony. Jesus Christ calls us to a higher road to follow him. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, uh, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can test and approve what the will of God is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. Lies and deception are, aren't any part of that plan. And uh, God wants us to... Uh, he wants to lift us up, raise us up, give us a new way of thinking, a new way of seeing, and a new way of walking that will glorify him and help this world to see who Jesus is. Amen? If you've been, if you're, if you've been on uh, the wrong side of this, you've been responsible for lies, deception, and it's been harmful to others. This brings us to point number two. Jesus forgives all sin. 1 John 1 9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Say all. Bearing false witness is one of the seven deadly sins. It's not a small thing. When a person bears false witness, whether we realize it or not, uh, it, it, to do that is to align ourselves with the enemy uh, and his purposes. To be a false witness is to choose deception. And John chapter 8 says the devil is the father of lies. Uh, don't help him. To be, a, to be a false witness is to seek only harm. And Revelation 9 says that the enemy is the destroyer. Don't help him. To be a false witness is to be vindictive. It's to accuse others. In Revelation chapter 12 it says that the devil is the accuser. Do not help him. You see, we're involved in a spiritual battle between good and evil, between the kingdom of God and the enemy of our souls. God has a mission and the devil has a mission, and they are completely opposite. 
What is the devil's mission? Tells us in John 10.10, the devil comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. To bear false witness, uh, to uh, to pour out lies in order to harm somebody else, is to help the enemy accomplish his mission. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. Our words are to bring life. False witness does the opposite. If you're involved with this in any way, shape, or form, I want you to, I've got good news for you today. You can stop today. You can confess this to God today. You can ask him to forgive you, and he will. You can receive his mercy today. It says in Lamentations 3, the mercies of the Lord are new every morning. Isn't that good news? You can stop, you can confess, you can receive God's forgiveness, and, and you can uh, uh, move in a brand new direction. You can overcome this through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can leave it behind you. That's the power of the cross. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what God can do in our lives today. If you're on, if you're on the wrong side of this and uh, have been a part of this, I want, I want you to know today, God loves you. He's not angry with you. Uh, he wants to heal the brokenness in your heart if you'll reach out and, uh, and ask him for help. He will help you. Uh, I promise you that. Uh, point number three, we need to find our validation in Christ alone. If you've suffered as a, real, as a result of false accusation, if, if the lies and the deception of others, if you've been on the receiving end of that, you understand how profoundly painful that is. And I want you to know today that Jesus understands. He cares. I want you to know that he can comfort you today, that he can meet you right at your point of need, that, that pain that you're experiencing, he can, he can come and he can comfort you and heal you in that. I want you to know words are powerful. Dishonest, malicious words that are spoken against us, uh, they, they hit with great impact. And some of you know this all too well. And I want, to, uh, I want you to know today that there is freedom in forgiveness. There's freedom in forgiving others. You see, when we find ourselves in, a, in this kind of a situation where we're experiencing this kind of pain, this kind of persecution, there's two roads. There's two ways to go. Follow Jesus and choose forgiveness or, or be uh, consumed and bound by it. Uh, follow Jesus and allow him to lift you up out of this, to empower you, to forgive, and to keep your focus on him where it needs to be, or to give, uh, to fall prey to this and allow it to consume you and even define you. There's power, and there's freedom in forgiving others. If, uh, if you know, and that's easier said than done, isn't it? And sometimes, you know, as we're called to forgive, and uh, sometimes when we do that, it starts through gritted teeth, doesn't it? Some of you know what I'm talking about. Just out of sheer obedience, because you come to a point, you're saying, I can't live like this anymore. I can't carry this anymore. God, I need your help. I'm ready to do it your way. And, uh, and that requires uh, forgiveness. And sometimes that's through gritted, gritted teeth. God, I forgive them. And that's real, isn't it? That's real. 
But here's the thing. When you or I take a step of obedience and we follow Jesus and we do it his way and we pray that prayer for giving that person, pretty soon it's not through gritted teeth anymore. Jesus meets you right there. He meets me right there. And he, and he, and he does what only he can do. And he begins to work in our heart. And he begins to mend and heal. And pretty soon you're saying, God, I forgive them. And then, I, and then pretty soon you're saying, God, I forgive them. And then not long after that, you find yourself saying, God, not only do I forgive them, but I pray you'll work in their life. I pray you'll work in their heart. I pray that you'll bless them. My friends, this is what freedom looks like. There's freedom in forgiving others, and uh, uh, God will help us to do that. You know, even if the whole world tries to condemn you, I want to remind you today that the only thing that really matters is what God sees. The only thing that really matters is what God says about you. What does God say about us? If we've accepted Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If you are in Christ, when God looks at you, you're clothed, you're covered, you're wrapped in the very righteousness of Jesus Christ. Whatever this world might say about you, that's what God says. What matters is what God says. What matters is what God sees. What does God see? If you belong to Jesus Christ, uh, when he looks at you, uh, when, this is what he says. God says about you uh, that you are loved. You are completely loved, unconditionally and eternally. God says about you that you're chosen. Uh, Jesus says you are mine. God says that you are forgiven for all sin, for all time through Christ. God says that you're redeemed. You've been rescued by God. He says that you've been, you're saved from eternal death to eternal life. God says that you are justified, that the gavel has fallen in the courts of heaven and you've been declared not guilty. God says you're justified. He says you're sanctified. He says you've been made completely holy by him. God says that you're victorious. The enemy lost, Jesus won, and you are on his side. Amen? God says you're a friend of God, you're a child of God, you're a citizen of heaven, and you are a co-heir with Jesus Christ. Jesus says to you, all that I have is yours. What Find your validation in Jesus Christ alone. It's what he sees when he looks at you, and it's what he says about you that matters most. Amen? You see... We're called to be salt and light into this world. We are called, God has called us to be salt and light to a dark and dying world. As you and I receive new life in Jesus Christ, we become a new creation, and he fills us with new power, and he gives us a brand new purpose, and it's to bring the message of Christ. It's to bring hope into a dark place. That's our calling. That's our purpose, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to, uh, to, uh, uh, in, it, to be involved in, in lies and deception. It's beneath us. It has no place in our lives as Christians. We're called to a higher road. How many of you believe that? Amen? We're called to a higher road. I'm going to pray in a moment. 
And I want to invite you. I'd like to invite you right now. Let me just say this first. You might say, John, you've, uh, you've struck a chord. You've struck a nerve here today. And there's a lot of this that's a hard message. But here's the thing. If G- it says in John chapter 1, the law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. If all we received was grace, there'd be no growth. There'd be no challenge. There'd be no changing and transformation. I'm all, I'm all about grace, and we need the grace of God. Amen? Grace encourages us. It strengthens us. And what does truth do? It confronts the things in our life that are out of order with who God is and who we are in Christ. So truth challenges us. Truth pushes against those things in our lives that aren't honoring God and are keeping us from living up to our God-given potential. How many of you want grace and truth? Amen? We need to be encouraged in Christ, and we need to continue to grow in Christ. That's the, that's the point. If you are here today, I'd like to invite everybody here to close your eyes. If you're here today, and you've never received Jesus, you've heard about this incredible love today, you've heard about finding complete forgiveness in Jesus, you've heard about being loved by God and spending eternity in heaven with him, if, you, if you've never accepted Christ, I want you to know today's your day. I want to invite you right now just to pray a prayer. Say, Jesus, I, I, I invite you into my life. I, I admit that I'm a sinner, and I believe that you, are my sa- you're, you died for me, that you're the Savior, and I want to commit the rest of my life to you. If there's anybody here in this place that you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, right now is your moment, and I invite you to slip your hand up and just say, that's me. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to know him as my Savior. I want to experience his incredible love, and I want to have the hope of heaven. God bless you. If you're here today and uh, maybe you've uh, been uh, on the wrong end of false witness, you've been involved in, in uh, uh, hurting others through think, saying things you shouldn't say, I want you to know today that you can leave that at the foot of the cross. I want you to know that you can leave this place completely forgiven, completely washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. You can leave that behind you. And, and the Bible says that not only will God forgive your sin, he'll forget it. If you're here today and you would say, I need God's forgiveness, I just want to invite you. Would you slip up your hand and just say, I need God's forgiveness today. I need God to help me in this way today. I need him to work in my heart, in my life. God's going to meet you right where you're at. Maybe you're on the wrong, maybe you've been on the receiving end and you've been hurt and you've been, uh, your life has been uh, profoundly impacted through through, uh, the lies and the deception of others. I want you to know that God can comfort you. And he can, uh, he can bring uh, mending and healing into your life today. I also want you to know if there's any hurt that you're carrying, if there's any weight that you're carrying, I want you to know that God cares. He sees you. He loves you. And he can meet you at your point of need today. I'm going to pray, uh, pray together here. And then uh, uh, let, let's do that. Let's go to God together. Father, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for your presence in our lives. We thank you for the truth of your word. 
We thank you for salvation through Jesus Christ alone, that we don't have to try to earn your love and your favor, but you, you love us with an everlasting love. And as we receive Christ, uh, we, we uh, are covered in righteousness. And we, uh, Lord, thank you that we do not have to earn your love. We do not have to earn salvation. We, have to, we are just to put our trust in Jesus Christ. We thank you, God, that no, in any time, in any situation, no matter what's happening in our life, we can always come to you. We can bring everything to you, our victories and our failures. You want to do all of life with us. You want to help us with, uh, in every, every way that we need help. I pray your blessing over every single person here, every person within the sound of my voice. I pray that you would comfort and heal hearts here today. I pray that those that carried heavy weights and burdens into this place today would set them at your feet. You say, if anyone's weary, let them come to me, and you will find rest. Lord, I pray that weights would be set down in this place today, and we would leave this place changed because we've been in the presence of God. Lord, I, we just love you and thank you for how amazing you are. Pray that you would continue as we leave this place. Lord, let us live with you and for you, doing all of life with you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.